It's Friday the 17th of April, and this is episode six in my not so mini coronavirus and food series. Every few days, I'm chatting with people in and around the food industry to talk about this situation. And as always, I'm going to start this episode by updating you on today's virus figures. There are now over 108 confirmed coronavirus cases in the UK and over 14 and a half thousand known deaths from the disease. Of course, the true number is likely to be much higher than this. My heart goes out to our frontline workers, those who are unwell and the families and friends of those who have sadly lost their lives. Tonight I'm chatting with Bristol chef Josh Eggleton. He's probably best known for his Michelin-starred restaurant, The Pony and Trap, as well as his other eateries around the city. But he also does a hell of a lot for charity behind the scenes. We talk about everything from how he thinks the restaurant industry will recover from this, the rollout after the virus has gone. We talk about the work that he's doing with Caring in Bristol, which is a charity that helps the homeless and vulnerable people around our city on their brand new initiative to deliver free food to the homeless. He was also instrumental in starting up the Bristol Food Union, which connects Bristol food producers, chefs, restaurant owners all over the city to protect themselves within the industry and to help those who are vulnerable around them. We also talk about how we think the food industry might recover once the coronavirus has passed. And Josh tells us a little bit about what his days look like now that he's not in the kitchen or running his restaurants. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Welcome, Josh, and thank you so much for making time to chat to me today. No problem. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm at home. Um, A bit disappointed that it's pissing it down with rain because I was hoping to get out in the garden this weekend. But yeah, right. Is it going to rain all weekend? I don't know, actually. I hope not. I hope not. And I don't know how it is where you are, but pretty miserable. I'm in Totterdale and it's it's very rainy. So the last month must have been a complete roller coaster for you and for your businesses. So I thought before we talk about the stuff that you're here to talk to me about today i just ask you how you're doing um what in general yeah Yeah. Uh, no good you know there's ups and downs and you know what has it been a month i feel like it's been three weeks um yeah it's been a real roller coaster and didn't really feel real you know, until probably, I think until probably this week, you're like, bloody hell, this is real, isn't it? Um, and I, I really, I just came back, I came back into this because, and I, I, you know what, I forgot, I was away. I was um, walking in uh, in the desert in Jordan for Action Against Hunger and all this has kicked off and I landed um, and we came and we came into it. Obviously, the restaurants were still open, but it was kind of like I left one country and I came back to another, or you know, I left one world and I came back to another. So it's been mm. a bit mental, really. But yeah. And so, what's happening with your staff and your businesses right now? So currently, all of our staff have been. Um, we've closed all of the restaurants that I'm involved in, or sites as we call them. Um, so that's six. And I'm also involved in Bristol Beer Factory, and we, we've 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 closed that down as well because um, we're not selling. You know, we're not selling beer. We've bottled everything that we have, and, and we're selling that. And then and then that's been closed as well. And, and what we're calling is hibernating. And all of our staff have been um, furloughed. Um, or was it furlong? Furloughed. Um, and you know, our main, you know, that's my main priority is how do we look after the staff and, and it's fantastic that the government have done that has given us that opportunity. So everybody has been put into that hibernation stage and just waiting to see what happens and to see, you know, this is now 
good that we're in this position, but the, the tough bit is going to be how do we open back up and how busy is it going to be and what restrictions are going to be in place. So really like drilling down into working that out and how that works is going to be a big one. But obviously we need all the facts and we need to know what position we're in to be able to do that. I think that's the thing that most of the business owners and chefs and all the different people in the food world that I've talked to have been most concerned about is that actually things at the moment, we kind of know where we are, but it's what comes next. And obviously lockdown's just been extended for another yeah. three weeks. No one knows. It's not really something that even, I guess, the government or the, the medical professionals can predict just yet. So, yeah, I like the phrase hibernation. I think that's a, a really good way to look yeah, at absolutely. it. Absolutely. I mean, we are we are in uncharted territory. Um, nobody, not a single country has seen this through yet. So don't know what's going to happen, do we? So it's a tough one. It's a tough one to predict. It's a tough one to talk about, especially when you've got like, you know, 200 plus staff asking you, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? And, and you think to yourself, well, you know, and you have to be very positive um, and because you, we, I guess, really, I'm a bit of a, a leader. We look after them and, um, and try to be the most positive about it. But at the same time, don't really know what's going to happen. Um, and it's a tough one, but... It, it's going to be a defining, it's going to be a defining moment for our generation, really. So your staff are furloughed and your sites are closed yeah. and you are heavily involved or working flat out even with Caring in Bristol and this brand new initiative to deliver food to the yeah. homeless. I love the name of it. So you've called it Cheers yeah, Drive. Right, yeah. which I can't take any credit for that, but for the name, but it is kind of perfect and and at first it might be like, oh, what's Cheers Drive? Because you're working with Karen in Bristol. Well, it, as you said, it's the initiative of, of what we're doing. And the reason we called it that is essentially that we are driving um, on a daily basis food to hotels and hostels to our vulnerable people or, or, or our guests, as I like to call them, um, to feed them. And so it is the first sort of home delivery service provided um, for for um for our guests really in the country so it was a bit of a first where did the idea come from yeah um as in what to to what for the name or to feed people for the for the initiative itself yeah, i guess well maybe the name yeah. as well <laughs> the initiative itself essentially um obviously when Everything happened. Um, I'm on, you know, I'm involved with the council quite a bit and sit on a few boards within the council too. With um, and I work with Feeding Bristol and Fair Share and obviously Caring in Bristol who do Caring at Christmas. And I've worked with them for the last couple of years to do the 12 days of Christmas. Um, we cook on Christmas Day and I get different restaurants and different chefs to cook all, all over Christmas. And I sort of curate that as well. And we've got on really, really well together. Um, and, and it's something that I, I'm quite passionate about. It's something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to say, you know, let's cook for more people, cook for the homeless or cook for somebody on Christmas Day and make it more about community. Um and I was really restricted for a lot of years to be able to do that because I was busy with my restaurants and, and I, you know, I spent the last, the first 10 years of running my restaurants working, you know, all around Christmas and not having the ability to do that. But the last two or three I have. Um, and I guess, I guess what happened was, you know, we started, like, we had a meeting at the council and started talking about initiatives and how we can feed people if we're going to have lockdown, what vulnerable people need to be fed. Now, one of the results of the lockdown is that most of the shelter, homeless shelters, which function in the way of communal dorms, um, 
had to be closed because of social distancing that had to be initialized. So um, the council started talking to Karen in Bristol and I, I said to Karen in Bristol, you really need to speak to Andy Street and the council and see if we can help with this. Um, and there was nobody there really, um, any of the shelters ready to, or in a position to pick up the provision of cooking um, for all of the, all these people that didn't have somewhere to live to be fed and also where are they going to go? So initially the council said, right, we're going to re we're going to rehouse you all in hotels or in the holiday inn and the travel lodge or in the YHA. Um, and Karen in Bristol, along with myself, will create this initiative to feed them all. Um, and we've done that through our, my, you know, sort of contacts or well, my good friends really within the restaurant trade. And it's important to say that it's not just me, it's, it's a lot of the restaurant trade and, you know, especially Don from Basiloka and Shona Graham from Emmeline. We, we are running our kitchens to, to feed these people on a daily basis. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible what you're doing. And I, I hope that other um, groups in other cities around the UK do something similar. Yeah. Um, just before I ask you a few more details about it, I thought it'd just be quickly uh, worth chatting about the name Cheers Drive, because for our listeners who aren't in Bristol, that's a really common phrase here, isn't it? It's um, it's what you say when you get off the bus. Yeah, it's, it's what I call... Um it's Bristol language, isn't it? <laughs> there's there's loads of phrases in Bristol that people that I grew up with and, and that I still say that people don't understand. They're like, what, what are you talking about? Um, you know, we call <laughs> Wasp or Jasper. Um, oh, I didn't know that one. Yeah, well, that, that's a good one. I like that one. Um, yeah. I'm an honorary Bristolian, <laughs> you see. I've only been here four years. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, when you get off the bus or you get out of the taxi, you say, cheers, drive. Or cheers, then drive. Cheers, then drive. Yeah, I say cheers, then all the time. (laughs) It just means thank you. So I read online that within the first two weeks, you had already delivered 3,000 meals. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's changed a bit now. Yesterday we did a count, it was 22 days, and we were just under 13,000 meals. Wow, that's incredible. That must take an army of volunteers. And you've mentioned Pastoloco and Emmeline briefly, but who else is involved? How many of you are doing this? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, actually. I mean, there are loads of volunteers. What To to be clear, um, what we've done, we've set up three kitchens, um, what we call like satellite kitchens to produce. The Kensington Arms, which is um, a restaurant pub that I run, is one of them. Emmeline at Spike Island is another. Um, Pataloka are running the um, night shelter, Julian Trust night shelter. And what we do is we have two teams in each um, venue. So they do three days on, three days off. And the reason we do that is to deal with the virus and social distancing. So we have a team of four or five in each site um, and then they do three days and then a different team comes in. So they're constantly rotating, but they don't cross over just in case people get sick. So this gives us the ability to, if somebody gets sick, to replace a team or um, we can take off the slack with another kitchen. So that's what we've been doing just to make sure it's done completely safe. We then have a, a team of drivers which drive it all around. We have the organizational, organizational team from Karen in Bristol, which um, are always there. And then we have teams of people that take it from the drivers and deliver it to the door at the hotels and they're all volunteers and they're all people that we've worked with before um from our restaurants um you know people that want to be busy and people that want to give back you know 
I like the fact that you're protecting the volunteers, but you're actually also protecting the service because, as you say, if if one person at one of the kitchens gets sick, then that whole team can be taken yeah, out really, and have the yeah. time that they need to get better and it won't affect the service that you're providing to the, the vulnerable people who need it. It's it's really clever. Yeah, so it's just yeah, it's just putting those correct things in place to, to deal with it. And, you know, it's a new thing to think about, but, you know, it, it's working and it's, it's good. So you're cooking all these thousands and thousands of meals. Where is all this food coming from? Yeah, so, I mean, and it, that's important as well. We are cooking this food and we're making this food. Um, but it's important to me that we use, that we try to make fresh, healthy, delicious food. And, and the food consists of a, a packed breakfast, a packed lunch and a hot meal. And that gets delivered at about six o'clock every night. So they've got food for the next day. Um the food, we're working heavily with Fair Share. We've got a lot of food coming from Fair Share. Fair Share is fantastic. They've had to change the model a little bit to deal with this. Um, we're getting donations, like they're going, you know, loads of donations. I deal with that quite a lot on a daily basis. Um, and we've, But also it's important to say that we're picking up the surplus by using the suppliers that I would use in my restaurants. So, you know, as a, a, a repercussion of what's happened, um, all of our suppliers and our supply chain are in the same position as our restaurants are really, really struggling. So it was important to me to be able to re-engage our suppliers and, and, and purchase some food off of them to help support them, you know. So I'm not ringing my suppliers up mm-hmm. and saying, oh, you know, can we get some free food? Can we get this and get that? Having said that, Total Produce have been absolutely fantastic and A. David, um, which are, you know, wholesale and veg suppliers in supplying us vehicles, um, you know, cost price stuff for veg and fruit and veg and dry goods. They've been really, really supportive. So that's good. So there's been a big initiative about what's happening. The stuff that Fair Share do is incredible at any time of year. And actually, I spoke with Phoebe from Fair Share oh, yeah, for yeah. this podcast just a week ago, I think. And she was talking about how the models changed. And and actually, I've been seeing updates on social media with some of the stuff that they're being given now is changing as well. They're starting to get things in that aren't necessarily just food, which is quite interesting. Yeah. They'd had, I don't know if it was nappies or kind of cleaning products, but I like the fact that you referenced that you're still using where you can your suppliers. You're almost ticking two boxes there. So you're you're dealing with the zero food waste problem, which is hugely important. Yeah. But you're also where you can diverting well when when they'll take it by the sounds of it um, money to your suppliers. And it's uh, something that I had a conversation with um, Roger Longman, who runs White Lake Cheeses yeah. last night for another episode. Okay. Um and he was saying that one of his concerns is is obviously his suppliers and th- and the knock on effect. It's not just the fact that a restaurant or a business is closed; it's all of their suppliers and then all of their suppliers. And I think when you start thinking about the the chain, it, it's I don't know. It's quite um, I guess quite stressful. stressful scary, worrying. Yeah, I mean. There's a huge butterfly effect from this, you know, to the whole trade. Um, and it really, really does need to be considered. And, you know, and I guess one positive thing is that we're all in this together um, and we all want to support each other and everyone understands. So it, that's a, a really good thing. And I think that's a good thing for the world as well. You know, we are all in this together um, and and it could, you know, this could, this could create a new way of thinking, I think. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think Bristol, from a, from a fan of the Bristol food scene, uh, not necessarily someone who works within it, the community spirit has always been strong here. And I just feel like all of the different people I've spoken to at this time are banding together to create this mega community. And I just... It can only be positive when we come out of the other side of it, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, well, I, I could talk about this all day, but for me, um, it, makes, it makes you rethink everything and looking at what's happening, how people are supporting each other and looking at this at what can be done and how people can come together is really amazing. And I was very much going that way anyway with working with Karen in Bristol, working with Fair Share, working with Alzheimer's Society and, you know, five or six key charities that we really, really work with and sort of trying to think about how we can integrate our business into the community more. And I think our society really does need to start thinking about how we can put those support efforts in place and integrate ourselves into communities to be able to support each other when something like this happens, but not like a national not like an international pandemic, but just supporting each other with day-to-day stuff and making sure that we have a more robust system. And I think that coming out of the other side, we will be able to create something like that. Certainly for me, I'm going to be rethinking the way we do, we run all of our restaurants. But at the same time, I think um, the one restaurant that was my first restaurant, you know, and is sort of like I view as a... um, life project is definitely going to completely change and do something different which is going to be based on those key principles really and which restaurant are you talking about are you able to tell me Sorry, uh, yeah talking about the uh, the pony and trap the pony and trap and you know um i i'm gonna yeah I, I mean i have i'm trying to write the idea down but we're very busy with what we're doing now but i have this philanthropic idea in my head of making it very integrated into community and and we do it anyway there you know everybody that works in that restaurant you know we're all teaching we're all learning every day and i always say this i say a lot all restaurants and all kitchens are classrooms and i really feel that we can try and integrate that into our community by making community bakeries i mean by cooking for the older population in humagna we're doing that now anyway we're doing a roast for them on sunday we're cooking uh, 50 roast dinners and delivering it to their houses um, but I think things like that should happen anyway. You know, we should try to create those systems that are in place. Um, you know, I think every local restaurant or every local pub or every local community centre should try to integrate into the community and create hubs within the community to support each other. It sounds almost as if we're, I, I absolutely agree with everything you've said. And I, I love the idea of that. And I'm excited to find out what you're going to do with the Pony and Trap. But it almost feels like we're going back in time to how it used to be. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these coronavirus podcasts that I've recorded, we've ended up talking about the Blitz spirit. And there's a lot of problems with that as a, as a, a phrase that people are using. But there are some kind of echoes where, you know, communities did used to be a lot closer and people did help each other out and again i'm kind of looking for the positives in this situation that would be wonderful you know getting the local pubs back and and just having these spaces within communities it would be an amazing thing to come out of this situation i completely agree um i think that i don't know we might have hit you know, a point in our, like I said before, a defining moment in our generation. And globalization has been a big thing um, and it's happened. And this hopefully, for me personally, could be a retraction of that. And, you know, techno- modern technology, we're, we're doing it now, we're talking over over um, over the internet and stuff. But modern, 
and it has kind of forced people to be a little bit insular, but only sort of push their profiles and push their personality on uh, online. But modern technology can also be used to create links that get people to integrate to the community and meet up and do things. So it could help to create positive things out of that. And I feel like that this could definitely, definitely happen. And we might recapture something we've lost through our communities, as well as the fact that nobody, everybody, apparently, well, apparently I know so, that you can't buy flour anywhere at the moment. Everybody's baking bread at home. They're all cooking. So that could be another really positive thing that could come out of what's happened. Like everybody's like rekindling their spirit or teaching themselves how to cook at home and cook at home with fresh, healthy food more. I think that's another really, really amazing thing that can come out of this. That teaching themselves to cook at home is also funnily enough being aided by the internet because there are loads of chefs out there who are doing these live recordings in there i actually love it the kind of the behind the scenes of seeing them in their own kitchens that it's not so polished it's a little bit more rustic and it's it's actually really amazing to see that and if you're not comfortable cooking from cookbooks or throwing things in a pot and seeing what happens you can still access this yeah this world really? this kind of professional world and i i really i'm i'm really enjoying it <laughs> i've been busy every day going to the sh- <laughs> going to the shelters and stuff but I, I keep thinking to myself i need to do it because it's like the way i cook at home you know i cook real quick i use one pan like one pan one and i'll get it done in like 12 minutes you know and I, i've always thought to myself that yeah. you know i should probably make some of this and talk about it it's so easy to cook fresh healthy food at home so yeah well, you have a good excuse because you've been pretty busy, so um, I wouldn't feel too bad. But I know, um, again, for Bristolians, um, Elliot and Tessa from Boxy did a really nice one a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I think it's on the Caring in yeah, Bristol yeah. Facebook page. Uh, and that was really nice. It was quite it was quite funny because Tess kind of said, oh, you know, I'm handing over my kitchen, uh, which made me laugh. And yeah, I really love the, the fact that it's almost a peak behind the scenes and it's it's humanizing everyone we're all absolutely equal yeah i want to talk about politics Mm. um just for a short while so um obviously the government have um run this furlough scheme which is helping a lot of small businesses but generally do you think that they are handling this crisis well i mean you know what that's hard to say because as we said before like it's not happened before and in anything you do especially in politics and government there's always going to be somebody that says you could have done a better you could have could have done this you know i mean that's why we've got two major parties right so you get a, a a rounded argument of what's happened um have they handled it well i think you know what i think a lot of the measures they've been put in place to help businesses and help people through i think that is i think that is really positive i mean the staff situation for for a start for low people is absolutely great um giving as many businesses possible grants and to help support them is great there's always going to be people that slip through the net um and self-employed support them there's going to be people that slip through the net i am actually one of those people i don't really qualify for anything um so i think there's lots of positives out of it and within a short space of time i think the reactions have been good um but there's always going to be a way to say it could be done better um i think that i think the most important thing that's going to come out of it is about how we support our small businesses reopening and the long the more the longer support and about how 
this can work in the long term, in the recovery period, because it's all very well getting a break on the VAT, getting a break on your rates um, or deferring your rates or VAT, but it's about how that's repaid or how they're going to structure that and how that's going to work. I think those are the most important things, really. I wonder how it's going to happen. And we can all sit here and guess, but I can't imagine that there's suddenly a day when everything stops and everybody says, right, I'm going to go out for dinner tonight. I'm going to go down to Wapping Wharf. I'm going to go to um, Two Valley Lake and have some fish and chips. I I wonder if the recovery will be long and slow. I think you're right. I think the recovery will be long and slow. And that's what's going to be very difficult for the restaurant trade, you know, because if social distancing still exists, there's going to be people that are not going to want to sit too close to people in restaurants, people that are not going to want to go out at all. So you're probably going to lose a lot of your business initially straight away. So say 50%. And then the other 50, then the other 50% that come to the restaurant, there might be say, I don't know, 50% of them that are getting a bit twitchy about the way the staff and the way the policies of the restaurant, I'm too close to this person. I don't like that. And for a restaurant to be able to open and try and recover and pay their staff, they're going to be losing money instantly. And, and, and that's going to be very, very difficult about how you try to, how you try to achieve that. But that is down to the way the whole situation plays out. So I'm speculating really, but, um, by slowly opening stuff up and, and which is probably what's going to happen. Like we all know it's not going to be like, Oh, it's fine. Now we could all go out. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be the most difficult thing for businesses to deal with really. And that's what, to be honest, I spent most of my day today looking at drilling into finances and talking about how we're going to redo this. I want to go back to talking about um, the Cowing and Bristol work that you're doing. And I thought it might be interesting for you to talk us through the logistics of maybe what a typical day looks like for you right now. Mm. So, typical day, wow. Because I assume that your typical day now is very different to what it would have been two months ago. Yeah, it's completely different, yeah. Uh, They're not as long as they usually were, but um, typical (laughs) day, get up, um, go to the night shelter and... um, generally look at all the food that might have not some food comes back you know some people are not in their rooms and we just count that up look at that and send that out to different um homeless projects across the city um get a look at the reviews what happens in the night before set the kitchen up at the night shelves at the night shelves we do the lunch we do the breakfast i usually meet dom or meet ellie there see what they're cooking fair share usually cool speak to fair share to see what produce they have um, place an order for that and then I go up to the Kensington Arms take some food up to them generally some fresh produce some chicken drumsticks um, we've got access to a good store at the night shelter of like tinned food and, and, and dry stuff so we, we're using a lot of that that goes up um, then I go to Spike Island drop off fresh produce to them and all the hot boxes to be distributed the numbers are put together for the different numbers that we need for each site um, and what do I do then? I go back to the Kenny, um, make sure the guys are right. We have lunch together, which is still important, you know, sit down, um, make sure the food's all set to go, box up, um, gets all put into the vans and distributed, you know. And in between that, you know, I don't know, 100 phone calls and lots of emails and, and um, obviously dealing with your businesses that you shut down and also dealing with um, working quite hard in between on the um, on the Bristol Food Union that we set up and doing a lot of stuff there. 
So we haven't actually talked about Bristol Food Union at all in this episode, but that is another amazing project that you're involved in. So do you want to give us a quick summary of what that is? Yeah, sure. So Bristol Food Union, um, first and foremost, clearly, is is a completely separate project to um, Karen in Bristol um, and Cheers Drive. But there are people that are in the union that, that overlap. And... Bristol Food Union was really born out, out of an idea that we, you know, we've been having for a while. Me and um, Anya Morris, Anya Morris used to be the um, director of Abigail of any food festival. We're just talking about how do we and um, how do we bind together all the restaurants in Bristol, and and I'd already kind of done that a little bit by creating something called Sunday Sessions, which was more of a creative project where we all cook together in a warehouse and with random produce and have a great time. And then we we were planning a new food festival, we drink Bristol fashion, where all the Bristol restaurants are going to coming cup so what that meant was that i had a whatsapp group with every bristol chef on it um and when all this was kicking off everyone we were all messaging each other saying what we're going to do what we're going to do um and we all got together a couple of times in the kensington arms and just had a very good chat about how we can help each other and support each other just that community spirit again um within this tough time so that's what created the Bristol Food Union. And it's got two sides to it, really. One side is the charitable aspect, where we and we, we run a charity thing from there as well. So, you know, we've been doing the cooking for the homeless, but also in the food union with all the other restaurants in Bristol. Tessa and Elliot from Boxy have been running a box scheme, creating food provisions for people uh, for 18 to 21 year olds that have just come out of care. So they get food. Um, they get food for a week given to them. So for me, if I get produce come into the shelter that we can't use, I will send it to them. Um, we are also, we're just linking everything together. I will also, um, Sorry, also send produce to some of the other kitchens which are producing food for the NHS. Um, and we're looking at other vulnerable communities and the refugee community and using our resource and our kitchens to help as many people as possible across the city. But at the same time, trying to support our restaurant trade. And we've just got this creating this singular voice where we can support our restaurant trade when we open back up. And that could be by just getting the restaurants to tick over with the owners in the restaurant, making food for the NHS. Um, we're giving them a little cost price to make that happen um, and then create a singular voice so we can talk to government, talk to landlords, talk to banks about dealing with um, all the cost implications that's going to happen after we open back up. So it's just a sort of a singular voice of the independent restaurants in Bristol and importantly, the independent suppliers. And that is um, all documented on a website, which we launched a couple of weeks ago. And as, as well, I will put the link in for that so people can see. I like the fact that Bristol Food Union as well has got long term legs. In fact, this is it sounds like it's something that it may well have ended up being developed anyway yeah. and certainly has value anyway. Completely. We were going to develop it and, you know, me and Anya have talked a long time and extent, I'm all about collaboration. How do we bring people together? You know, and that's sort of what I believe in. And that's why I suppose I do quite a few restaurants because we have Rob Howe in, in Root, which is an amazing chef. He worked for me for years. Like That's his restaurant. We have Oscar at the Kensington Arms. That's his restaurant. And um, Alex Egerton, who was my head chef at the Pony and Tramp, he runs, he runs um, the two sort of malts. And there's sort of, there's much of their restaurants as mine. And I'm a great believer in collaboration. And that's what's uh, sort of, created our food festival years ago we drink Bristol fashion which we haven't done for a few years and we were bringing back and alongside that festival we wanted to I wanted to make a conference a food conference to talk about how amazing Bristol is with food and suppliers and I think it's the best city in 
the country for all of that. And I feel like we need to be, and we are on a national stage for that, but I feel like we need to be on an international stage. And, and I think our unique selling point is about how we integrate our restaurant industry into our community. And I think that's something that a lot of other cities in the world have not done. And we can shine a light on that and we can be a leader in that. So we really, really sort of, that's what we are going to talk about by the food festival and the conference and stuff. But as a reaction to what's happened here, um, we're doing that instantly, you know. So the foundations of that was already there. The ideas were there, and 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 we've just got on with it. I think that you're right in that you could definitely be leaders for this, and there will be people in cities all over the world who are having similar thoughts, but maybe haven't quite managed to connect the dots. And by sharing the the ideas and being very open about the the way that you've pulled this together, I I think it's fantastic. Um, I don't really have a point here other than just well, I mean, to say that. I think it's really fantastic. <laughs> I mean, there may be other people that have done it, you know, and um, maybe I've had my head bang quite a lot, but I, you know, I'm, I lately I've been writing big lists of people and, and organizations that inspire me um, across the world that do that. And, and that's sort of helping influence that new thing I want to create, the Pony and Drab and the Food Union. And they will be close and inter- intricately linked, you know. And again, with the Cheers Drive project, it's just a re- it, the idea was already there. We were building kitchen at Bristol Wholesale Fruit Market to do that very thing to repurpose surplus food, teach people how to cook and send it to vulnerable people. It was an idea that was already written down and that's why we were able to react very quickly and get it done. So with Bristol Food Union and the Cheers Drive campaign and there are a myriad of other organisations doing similarly good work, how... How can our listeners help beyond kind of buying a takeaway for a homeless person or, or donating cash? Are you looking for volunteers? Are there is there an opportunity to donate food? What can people do? Two main things at the moment are donate food to 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 um, to um, the Cheers Drive project. That's great. Or there is a Just Giving page for Cheers Drive, and there is two Just Giving pages on the Bristol Food Union. One of those is to help. NHS workers and vulnerable people, and the other one is to help the restaurant trade recover afterwards. And we'll be pushing that probably in a few months. Um, and you know what? We're always up for volunteers. But if I'm honest, I mean, I have got a lot of volunteers at the moment. We've got the whole restaurant trade not doing much, and they want to keep busy. And I very much think that's important. And I'm trying my best to kind of make sure I find a role for everybody and feel like they're helping and because they want to help and making sure that that's really important for people's sort of health, you know, to be, make sure they feel like they've got a role um so if you but if you want to volunteer you want to get on the list go onto the karen in bristol website and and register perfect it actually sounds as though you know this is um almost a mental health project as well for keeping people motivated and busy and and doing something that they feel like they're achieving work with and i think um i'm actually quite lucky that my role has I, I don't work in food in the day. I'm a marketing mm. manager, but my role has, has remained. I'm I'm still busy and I'm still working from home. So aside from having to get used to not going in the office every day, I've still got that purpose. Yeah. And I think for people who are furloughed, that's probably the the, diff, the most difficult thing, isn't it? Is knowing what to do every day. Absolutely. Having a purpose in the morning, you know. And I feel very mm. lucky to be able to to do what I'm doing at the moment, you know. Oh, it's amazing. Um, I can't believe how much you guys are doing. And I think, um, yeah, it's incredible. Like you said, I mean, when I first moved to Bristol, so my other half, Dave is from Bristol, um, and we met in the Midlands and he was like, I want to move back to Bristol. And and I didn't really know anything about it. I already had a food blog. And then 
we got here and I was like, fuck, how on earth have I landed on this place? You know, this amazing foodie place without really knowing. Yeah. And it's just, even in the four years that I've lived here, it's just grown and blossomed and it's just a, a beautiful place to be. It is. It's absolutely amazing. And it will be always. We just need to fight for it, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Josh. The work you and so many others are doing for charity right now is so important. Well, it's important all the time, but right now, um, the campaigns that you're working on are absolutely vital to helping our most vulnerable. I really hope that other cities, if they're not already doing it, pick the ideas up too. Uh, I've kept you, waff- well, I've been waffling. You've been saying loads of interesting stuff, but I've kept mm-hmm. you talking for quite a while. So uh, I think I better let you get back to work. So yeah, thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you.